Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family owned and operated, a no pressure, laid back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy, Chuck, and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair. All right, RD. I want to ask you about Drew Sanders. Coming over from Alabama, now projected by Mel Kuyper as a first-round draft pick. How important is it for Sam Pittman and his staff to continue hit on these transfer guys and for them to get drafted early on in the NFL process? Well, it's huge. Absolutely huge. I mean, that's that's one of the big selling points of uh, you know the other transfers, you know, and, and making making a big impact, obviously by starting, uh, and then uh, up in their stock uh, to go to the NFL. And uh, you know, when when you when you're successful on the SEC level like uh, he was, I mean, that, and, and then uh, get all the uh, postseason uh, honors and things like that. Uh, other other guys that are considering jumping in the transfer portal or already in the portal or are noticing that um, that's that's something that they sold uh you know to uh to kids uh, you know not only at the linebacker position but other positions too so no that's uh that's 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 absolutely uh, uh huge rocket's going to be entering his junior season he's a guy that a lot of people like not just in the southeastern conference but all across college football Richard, what is his ceiling in terms of potential NFL prospects? I know Quinshawn Judkinson's in the lead as well, but I mean, what does Rocket project as a future NFL running back? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I would assume he would project very highly just because of the size and speed and his productivity at Arkansas. I mean, when you uh, when you when you're one of the top leaders of uh, in rushing in, in the SEC, and and you take the pounding that he, he is taking and, and get as many carries, I mean uh, that shows durability. It shows the guy that uh, can take the pounding and and durability uh, in the NFL is a big deal because of, uh, you know just because of the roster numbers. But uh, I, I mean I, I would tend to think that. Uh, you know, just depending on what he does this year, which obviously you would tend to think that he'll he'll have another good year, uh, it'd be kind of hard to come back uh, for 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 another year. But uh, I guess we'll find out. Richard, uh, let's shift to some Arkansas recruiting. I saw a post from uh, Kane Archer's dad earlier this week that he had received his thirteenth offer. Now Tennessee has been added to the list. Uh, uh, when all of this is said and done, he's a sophomore quarterback at Greenwood. Um, I don't even know. I mean, Mitch Mustaine's the name that comes to mind as far as heralded, highly sought after quarterbacks in this state. But this guy hadn't even entered his sophomore season and has 13 offers. What would that even even compare to in our state in the history of football in Arkansas? <laughs> I don't know if you can compare it. Just because it's uh, it, it, it's kind of ironic. I was talking to a, a, another uh, kid in that class, 2026 class, a uh, running back class now who has 11 offers and. And all of them, Arkansas, Georgia, Alabama, I mean, it's just uh, impressive list. Uh, just the acceleration of the recruiting process, it just is uh, so much uh, different than what it was even back when Mitch Mustaine was uh, uh, in high school. I mean, you, you probably, 
probably back then, the best that I can remember, probably got start, maybe started getting some offers as a junior, maybe. But uh, and, and I remember when I first started doing this, and I've been doing this for almost 20 years, uh, I rarely ever talked to sophomores uh, in the early part of the, uh, doing this and because uh, they just weren't part of the recruiting process that much. And then it kind of changed uh, probably eight, ten years ago. And now it's down to the freshmen. And, and hey, Arkansas and other schools have offered some eighth graders. So there, there's nothing to really compare it to, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, to say the Mitch Mustaine era or, or anything like that. Or really, just it's it's been something that's been going on probably the last four or five years. Uh, well, maybe a little longer than that, but it hadn't been a long time where freshmen and even eighth graders and, and, and we've, we've seen some seventh graders get some offers, but it's very rare. But, uh, for, for him to have that many offers at this stage and it's, uh, it's, you know, it's just obviously much different than what we're used to. Should, should there be maybe a rule or should that change at some point where, Maybe you can't. A, a kid can't be offered until he goes into, you know, his sophomore year or something. I know that you can't take visits to a certain point. I mean, I'm sure coaches even think it's ridiculous privately that they tell you offering a seventh or eighth grader should. Should that maybe be something that gains some conversation down the road when they're looking at changing transfer portal rules and NILs now on the table? Should we really be offering seventh and eighth graders? No, I'm with you. I'm with you, and, and that's not that's not uh, that's not a shot at uh, the kids that are getting the offers. It's just that uh, it's just colleges just see, have to feel like that they have to get into the mix mm-hmm. with kids, even at, at such an early age. And and I, I really I'm with you. I would I would prefer if if there was a rule that you couldn't offer till a sophomore. Uh, I, I really I, I just think it. The hype and just uh, the kids. The kids can't just be kids uh, in middle school, junior high, you know, what have you. It's. It, I just think it's it's gone too far. But it, I, I honestly, I haven't heard any. Uh, I haven't heard any. No, I, I think I've heard some coaches talk about how they think it's uh, a, a little much. But at the same time, I don't know if it's it's to the point where enough schools and enough, enough coaches, enough ADs have uh, said, Hey, this is enough. We, we need to change this. I, I, I don't know if I've heard enough momentum in that area to, to see a change, but I, I would like to see a change. I'm not going to lie to you. Richard Davenport, Arkansas Democrat Gazette, whole hog sports on that same thought, Richard, how many kids do you see that are offered so early on in even middle school, like you're referring to that, Maybe lose focus, get complacent relative to guys that continue to work and strive to get better. How, how does that compute and and really factor in when it comes to guys getting early offers and gals for that matter? Yeah, uh, you know that, that that that's not something I really have uh, paid attention to. But best that I can tell off the top of my head, I, I don't know if it makes a huge difference. I, I think it can. I think it can. Uh, uh, kind of slow down the, uh, I, I don't know, uh, just, uh, you know, the, the desire or, you know, you, you come complacent. Uh, I could see that happening with it. Obviously with, with somebody at that age, it, it, it's hard not to get the big head and think you've already arrived when, uh, obviously that, those are just verbal offers and it doesn't mean that a lot. I mean, it does mean something. But it doesn't mean that uh, that that offer will be there for you when you're a junior or a senior or anything like that. But uh, it, it takes a lot of maturity uh, on a on a kid's part, and also the family members have to try to you know uh, keep them in check and uh, you know say hey take out the garbage you know kind of bring them that mm-hmm. down to earth you know when when these kids uh, think that they're the next coming you know so uh, it. it I really haven't uh, paid a, a huge amount of attention to that. I think it could be a little bit of a problem here or there, but I think for the most part, uh, the, the ones that have got the early offers, you know, uh, they seem to have uh, 
at least uh, continue to uh, progress uh, in, in high school and, and go on to, to college, the best that I can remember off the top of my head. Richard, Tommy was asking you about Kane Archer, and I think you've mentioned this a, a show or two ago, that the next few classes here in the state of Arkansas are pretty solid football-wise. Any idea what his class in 2026 looks like when he'll be making his decision on where he wants to go to school? Uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's going to be a pretty good one. It, it's early. I mean, you, you have Cody Taylor at the same school who's uh, who's got an offer, uh, offensive lineman in the 26 class. There's some other 26 out there, but off the top of my head, uh, can't can't uh, remember any other names. But uh, I just know the 25 class is going to be very good. Uh, the 24 class already is up to eight offers as far as uh, in-state offers for Arkansas. Arkansas has offered eight in-state guys, and you know, obviously, that number could continue to go up. There's a few that they're they're you know kind of evaluating, but uh, as far as the 26, it, uh, it it's it's a little early, I, I think. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I haven't really thought too much about it other than uh, the 24s and 25s. Yeah. Let's talk some basketball for a second. It's state tournament week across uh, Arkansas. There's tournaments from Rogers to Blyville and many points in between. Uh, you've been keeping up, and who are some of the players you're watching as uh, first rounds and second rounds? First round's about to wind down. A lot of second round quarterfinal type games uh, happening today and tomorrow. Well, you know, uh, during the dead period in February, I had a better opportunity to pay attention. And uh, now with uh, Arkansas bat, uh, football hosting a bunch of kids on Saturday, I've been kind of tied up with that and uh, focused on uh, who, who's coming this Saturday. I'm not going to lie to you. I just uh, haven't been able to play. I, I've been I've been seeing bits and pieces, but I haven't uh, been paying as much attention as I normally would uh uh, with with uh, football having uh, starting to have kids on campus not only this weekend but next and beyond. Yeah, and I guess we're what uh, was it the fifteenth? I think is the uh, the first practice spring practice. So uh, we are closing in on just two weeks out, and I know uh, that'd be a time for some high school coaches to be visiting uh, for football and uh, be an active time on campus. Yeah, and then uh, I mean uh, obviously after basketball season. Uh, uh, us and then we'll have kids on campus uh, and, you know, start hearing, uh, you know, about transfers and, oh, and yeah. uh, then you, then you throw in uh, football. It's, uh, it's, it's nonstop. I think it's going to be pretty active following basketball season in that transfer portal. Uh, always is. Always is. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, uh, you know, you guys, even when you, you don't expect it, like, uh, I think uh, maybe uh, there's been a year or two you thought, well, you know, they may not uh, hit the portal as much. They always do. Richard, we'll leave it there this morning, man. We appreciate your insight as always, and uh, we'll talk next week. All right, guys. We'll see you. Tommy, Torian Carter via social media yesterday announced that he is cleared. I know that's big for Arkansas football, the defensive line. We had talked a lot of football yesterday. We did a little bit during the third hour with Chuck about some great road wins that we've had. But uh, that's some good news for Arkansas football that needed more defensive linemen, specifically in the interior last year. Yeah, and you may, you know, maybe they hit the portal in that May period uh, a little harder on defensive linemen, but uh, uh, that that is definitely an area that uh, that they are short, and having him back uh, after being lost to injuries will be a, be a big step forward. Speaking of uh, defensive players, you see that story about Jalen Carter – the Georgia defensive player that he's been, char- he's been charged with reckless driving and racing. Um, if you remember, and this was uh, coincidentally the same night that uh, Jamia Harris was murdered, that the uh, the car crash with Devin Willock, who was an offensive lineman for Georgia and one of their uh, recruiting coordinators, recruiting staff members, uh, again, he has been charged with reckless driving and racing in mm. in that crash, which is just wild. And yeah, and that was what following their team celebration um, after they'd you know won the national championship. So uh, just really a sad deal. And I you know sounds like they're they're getting to the bottom of, of what caused that crash and probably just a, like you said a high speed wreck there. He got removed from all the combine. 
talk yesterday, like he was set to to join the media, and and of course his his agents and representatives removed him for that. But that was a uh, was a crazy story in the Southeastern Conference yesterday. That guy's going to be Tommy. He's a he's a top three pick. I mean, he's thought of as a top three pick in this upcoming NFL draft, and I'm curious if this affects. Uh, decisions for franchises and selecting him coming up in April. Yeah, I mean, because he could be facing, uh, you know, depending on what charge moves forward. Did did that list the charges? I mean, because if it's, um, you know, manslaughter or, so, or something, I mean, where you know, they feel his his actions led to, to this death and they want, you know, you know, it could be jail time. Uh, absolutely. I mean, so that, you know, that's not just a, a minor deal. That's not just a citation and maybe uh, some community service is going to go beyond that potentially. Oh, so it's a real, uh, real bummer. Speaking of SEC news, now that's some bad ones. Got some more, unfortunately. Don't have a lot of good things for you. So Kai Ziegler has torn his ACL. When I saw that non-contact, I was thinking that was it. And then Tennessee, and he announced yesterday that uh, it is a torn ACL. So he's out for the season. Tommy, Tennessee is a team that always plays good defense. Unfortunately, we saw that firsthand Tuesday night. But that is the heart and soul of their team. And with him out, I just I don't know how far the Vols can make it in the NCAA tournament, especially with the uh, the old regular season Rick tag that Rick Barnes seems to have with his program and his teams. They're going to have to turn it around. They've been spiraling in the wrong direction for a while. I know injury's been a big part of it. This adds to that, but... Uh... Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, you know, would you even put him in the second weekend? I don't think a lot of people take him out of the second weekend into the to the Final Four. Certainly, learning this news, and I imagine a lot of people's brackets will probably have him exiting either uh, first game or uh, in the round of 32. Yeah, I don't have them going far. I don't have them making the second weekend. Maybe maybe Vescovy and Josiah Jordan James and Plotchich and the rest of those guys get it together, but. Yeah, when you lose your starting point guard, the catalyst, the guy, the, the the gas that makes the engine go, it's it's really difficult to foresee them making a run in the NCAA tournament. I I hate I hate that for them, but that's how it's going to be. Outside of uh, SEC basketball, Tommy, like for example, Kansas won the Big Twelve earlier this week. Uh, Alabama wins the SEC tournament. What other teams have you watched? You have any indication or idea of what you're going to pick? come selection Sunday when you print off your bracket and do it for the first time? Well, no, I hadn't seen the matchups yet or where they're playing at yet. I'm just but, talking uh, I'm just talking about like if you watch college basketball this year I'll outside of Purdue league. some. I mean, I don't trust Purdue to go uh to the final four and I but I want to see who they're you know, who they're matched up against. But I mean Purdue and Houston are two teams outside of the SEC. I think a lot of people have put their eyes on. I think Kansas is, is really good. And they, they had a lull there in the middle, but I think Kansas is going to be a 10. I think they're tested because I think the Big 12 is good. We probably watched a little more Big 12 because of that SEC challenge and just because it always seems to be on in front of SEC games. Uh, so I'm probably a little more familiar with some of the teams there, and they're deep at the top, five, six teams uh, that's been in the polls most of the year. So how many of those do you trust, and who in the Big 12 do you trust to – to go very far, and I, I, I'm just wondering, out of the SEC, who probably will get seven or eight, and when you say the Big 12, I, I don't know what their projections are, um, but I'm sure they're around the same number. Um, say 16 teams between those two leagues get in. How many of those do you think advance to the Sweet 16? Of the Big 12? Of the I, Big 12 and the SEC combined. A lot. Probably, I'd probably say eight. I mean, yeah, that'd be a lot. Be a big, half, obviously. A combo. Yeah, I, I would say that that's not a drastic number to, to put out there at this point in time based on the way those conferences have been. Big 12 still top dog in basketball. That will probably change when Oklahoma and Texas exit the league. Texas loses last night in Fort Worth against the Horned Frogs, but that is a difficult basketball conference. The SEC saw it firsthand. Now, you're talking about SEC teams that can make the NCAA tournament. Bama's a lock. Arkansas, I'm still not willing to say and get on the ledge and say they are locked. They just got to win one of these next two games and they're in. That's that's my feeling about that. I'd be very nervous if they'd lost four straight heading into selection Sunday. Auburn played well last night. They're probably still in. Florida, eh. Georgia, no. Kentucky, yes. LSU, no. Ole Miss, no. State's got some work to do. Missouri's probably in. South Carolina, no. Tennessee's in. A&M's in. Vanderbilt, Tommy, they're still fine for their tournament lives. Again, they got a huge win in Rupp Arena last night. I would not count them out in Nashville next week. No, I'd say there's four locks right now in the SEC. Bama, A&M, Kentucky, Tennessee. They're, 
they're in. Doesn't matter what happens the rest of the way. I'd say Arkansas is probably next in that line, but I'm like you. I, I don't know that you can just say it's a lead pipe lock at this point uh, for them for them to go. And um, But I, th- I think if they can win one of the next two games, at least win, I guess, and then if they win in the tournament, it'd be three uh, games. They could win one out of the next three. I think you are in. But uh, I still worry about, you know, if you don't win Saturday, Kentucky losing last night, I think just adds to the equation. Eight and ten is, uh, and there'll be teams that get in, but I don't know. It just makes me nervous uh, to to have to explain that away. Hey, it's Phil Elson. From all these years watching baseball, I've grown accustomed to watching closers in their element. James Teague isn't closing innings anymore. He's closing cases. With almost 30 years in the business, Teague Law Firm is a general practice firm that can help you with most family law issues, divorce, custody, and child support. They can also help with criminal law, both felonies and misdemeanors. Call James and the Teague Law Firm at 479-531-2785. 531-2785. Online at teague-law.com. The Teague Law Firm. If they can't help you, they'll talk baseball. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from the NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I know Tom Murphy will read a book or two. He actually has the talent to write stories unlike Tommy and myself. So, Tom, I'm going to relay that same question I asked our audience to you. It's World Book Day here on the Morning Rush. What is your favorite book that you've ever read? Oh, man. Morning, everybody. I don't know if I can just name a favorite, but I have, I'm a voracious reader. I've read entire catalogs from different writers, a lot of mystery and, you know, detective type stuff. Dick Francis, John Sanford, um... Lee Childs is a favorite action stuff. Um, I've gotten late, lately into a guy named Anthony Horowitz, and he is a holistic. Yeah. Um, he, he created Foil's War and the Midsummer Murders, and um, he's a book writer. He's taken on the James Bond franchise. Um, the Arthur Conan Doyle estate hired him to write some Sherlock Holmes books, and he's created his own. Uh, female detective, um, the Magpie Murders, and I've been into him lately, and and eating that stuff up. Really good stuff. He Tom he read he wrote some books, the Alex Ryder series that I read. Yeah, when, and I was in high school. I don't know if you've you've had a chance to read those, but I can't, man. Well, I've seen them. I've seen them when I've looked up his catalog, but they're graphic novels and they're teen novels, and I haven't jumped into them. But I'm sure they were entertaining because he is fantastic. They were awesome, guys. I can't go another second on this program. Tommy, did you listen to the Bruce Pearl rant during the break? (laughs) Yeah, I did. Tom, have you heard that yet? I listened to it about three minutes before we came on the air, (sighs) and he was in, he was just inflamed, and what was, he said one last word at the very end, like, you remember what there was one word you like unreal or something like that yeah he uh i had not heard it i guess i, I missed it last night i did watch that game but for our audience and we've already got a couple textures asking about it here is this beautiful soliloquy from bruce bruce pearls <laughs> i'm just sick and tired of our guys getting smashed down there smashed oh man that's great isn't that christian that's fantastic talk about the- yeah that's the uh that's old Bruce Pearl last night. And uh, clearly that was a shot at the officiating. He, he thought it was too physical. Which this league has been a physical league, but he, you know, he's, that guy's getting smashed down there. And, uh, you know, this has been a league where they've let them play more. And, it, you know, and what they've really done is not penalize Tom when offensive players are driving in the legal defenders. They're not calling fouls because they shouldn't. And people think that there's just, if there's contact, it's a foul. Well, it's not, and this league has done a better job, I think, of not penalizing legal defenders when the offensive player drives in, and and that's what this league has become about, driving to the hole. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's a point of emphasis, guys. Um, I, I know Bruce Pearl was upset. Dylan Card, he said Dylan Cardwell got fouled uh, right at the end, and uh, several of his guys fouled out. Cardwell's hurt, and if you if you listen to the whole thing, he just ends it with a one word thing, and then like. I mean, he hits his hand down on a chair or something. He yells uh, joke, Tom, at the very end. He goes, joke! And he throws the headset down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can't blame him. You know, I think a lot of the SEC, the conference, people probably wanted to see Auburn win. They probably wanted Arkansas to win there big time and then uh, wanted Auburn to win last night. And that would have, you know, created a, a one-game scenario down at A&M for um, – so you know, the, well for the winning the, the title, and but it didn't happen. I'm, they're kind of the bad boys right now, and and I have to say, um, Javon Quinterly, who had a great game against Arkansas and a great game last night, his dribble penetration um, is has been the difference maker for them. And of course, they have Steers, who does a lot of the same thing. Tom Murphy with us, Arkansas Democrat. Because that's what happens this weekend. Kentucky loses. Uh, that's never a good thing is to play Kentucky off a loss. They're coming to Fayetteville. Arkansas's coming off a loss. Uh, it's going to be a dis- disappointing spiral for one of these teams that doesn't win this game Saturday in Fayetteville, Tom. Yeah, that's the truth. And um, I, you got to give Vandy some props. Um, they're kind of the perennial, you know, down in the bottom of the league type team in recent history. And Jerry Stackhouse has built them up. They got a lot of different weapons. And to, to win in Rupp Arena, hit a, a shot in the last 10 seconds of a game is a big deal. And so um, when Kentucky's on, though, when they're hitting the offensive boards and creating really good shots for each other, they're, they're really tough. They're, they're a very physical team. And you know they'll be laying for Arkansas. And, of course, Arkansas, uh, I guess I was wrong. I thought for sure they would have a outstanding performance Tuesday, but they just seemed a little bit out of sorts. They weren't working. Some of the turnovers were just total head scratchers like why are you passing the ball out on the perimeter when you're not looking at the destination and things like that and i think tennessee's defense the um uh the reputation they had has something to do with it and and then you they were working for shots earlier in the game but then it's almost like tennessee wears you down into like well what are we going to do i was i happened to be listening to chuck and matt on one had the tv on and had the tennessee broadcast on and at one point, their um, their analyst, I think his name is Burt Bertelkamp, he's like, I cannot tell what Arkansas is trying to do offensively. So uh, they hit a rut in that one. But um, I think they'll be back. Um, you don't want to lose this game and go into the SEC tournament on a three-game losing streak. So I'm sure uh, this will be a bounce-back game for the Razorbacks. You know, it's just hard to put your finger on it with this team. And I know injuries has played a huge – role in, in, in what's unfolded as the seasons went on with Trevin Brazil and 19 games missed by Nick Smith, but I don't know if it's the NIL era, the transfer portal era, but it just seems like this team and here we are with one regular season game to go, just never you don't get the feeling they've gelled, Tom, and really come together and play for each other uh, often enough. That, that's the feel from the outside looking in, is they're just not playing for each other uh, on, on enough nights. Yeah, I get what you're saying, and it seems to me there have been times they've been very close, and even before Nick Smith came back, they had a, a run of, of some strong performances, and um, as I've been documenting, writing the notes for these games, they have the halftime lead on the road in seven consecutive games at venues like Kentucky, Baylor, Missouri. I mean, it was a list of solid teams. I mean, the Vandy game and, and so on, that Texas A&M by nine. And so they can do it. Um, and, and I think it's good that Nick Smith's been back now for several games. And w- what I'm concerned is their big guys didn't score in the last game. And, you know, there was a few games there where the, the Mitchell twins were not only blocking shots, but they were cleaning stuff up. Uh, they, were, they had some post moves about them. And so um, they've got to they've get where those guys can contribute, and it's not all the guard play. And um, w- when they do that, they're a more well-rounded team. And, and I agree with you. They've got to create for each other. Um, and that's dribble penetration and then somebody being out available out on the wing and then somebody cutting as well. So 
but yeah. like I say, I think they're going to put forth a great effort against Kentucky. You know, to this point, and what is it now, 30, 31 games or whatever, I think the Kentucky game on the road is the best example they have of a complete team game at this point. I know that's a kind of a highlight win, but that, that was the best team effort, I thought, uh, with everybody playing for each other. Yeah, it really was, and um, it, that one was closer at the half, and they, then they pulled away, and I, I forget a whole lot of the details other than they, they limited Shibway's, um production, and I think Wheeler missed that one, and of course it looks like he'll miss this one as well. Um, they got to keep Reeves under control a little bit and keep topping from from doing a bunch of stuff, and if they can do that, they'll give themselves a good chance to win. But, it, you know, it starts with not allowing Sheway to basically control the glass. And to me, I thought that was about the biggest point. Even though the, the total rebound margin was three, maybe Arkansas got a lot late in the game, but it seemed to me that Tennessee was going to the offensive boards and getting second-chance points left and right. And in that game, and it's Tom Murphy with us, Arkansas Democrat Gazette, Whole Hawk Sports, Mikel Makai Mitchell just shut him down. I believe he had 9-7 and seven in that game, and he had like 30-something. He had like 30-20 and 20 the game before, if I remember that right, and they were quite impactful. How do you think the wear and tear with Makai and Mikel has happened? Because you mentioned the Tennessee game. Have you seen a noticeable decline with their impact the last two games in the competition they faced? Well, I mean, the production, you just look at the numbers and the production's there. I, I think there's been a little bit of foul trouble, especially on Mikel's part. I mean, he fouled out in 11 minutes. I, I know we had a push, like, away from the ball. It looked to me like Tennessee was just quicker on the jump um, on some of those because some of them, Arkansas had positioning on the defensive board and uh, some Tennessee guy jumped over. I thought Tennessee got away with a lot of offensive rebound contact, and they called it right at the start of the second half. And, and then, then then it waned again. But they were just, you know, when you're the more aggressive team, sometimes it just goes your way, and it did. Um, somebody out-jumped uh, Devo Davis. And it was a taller guy. I can't remember if it was Nakuma or um, uh, I do or one of the other guys. But anyway, they, they went up and got it and then, and then dumped it. And um, you just haven't seen a whole lot of that against Arkansas this year. Especially against Devo Davis, who's probably the best loose ball rebound guy on this team. Seems like any time the ball's in the midst of a bunch of guys, he goes up and gets it. But, yeah, that true freshman for Tennessee had quite an impact. Now, Tommy, you might have asked this, and I'm sorry if you did. Zakai Ziegler, torn ACL, Tom, out for the year. I mean, what kind of impact does that have on Tennessee now? Yeah, they already had a short guard rotation. I'm not super familiar with all their backup guards, but I think a kid named Phillips came in, and maybe he had been hurt a little. So he's obviously going to have to do a lot more. But, you know, that's, that puts a lot of pressure on Vescovi. And I mean, they've got a lot of front court depth, but um, I think Vescovi will have to be a much more uh, um, frequent ball handler and creator for them. And, and I'm, he's done it before, uh, but it just shortens their rotation at guard. And then teams that have a lot of guards, uh, might be able to give them um, some trouble, especially if they get into foul trouble. Tom, we'll leave it there this morning, man. Again, appreciate your book ideas. I need to go back and read some Anthony Horowitz stuff and uh, always entertaining to, to get into things other than sports with you, bud. Yeah, I love it, man. Y'all have a good one. Have a good weekend. Introducing Your Choice Tuesday at Buffalo Wild Wings. Buy one, get one 50% off on our traditional wings on Tuesdays. Then the best thing about Thursday at Buffalo Wild Wings is buy one, get one free on our boneless wings. Both offers are now available for dining and carryout. Some exclusions apply. Visit your Buffalo Wild Wings in Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, Fort Smith, and in Jonesboro. Buffalo Wild Wings. Roar! Chuck Barrett here. I know a thing or two about making great calls in Arkansas. And when it comes to your home service needs, make the call to Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. The friendly pros at Pascal have been serving Arkansas for more than 50 years. And as the weather changes, make sure your system is ready with a Pascal protection plan. Call the pros at Pascal and get a seasonal tune-up, discounted services, and priority scheduling. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned. Arkansas operated. 
GoPascal.com. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic, just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Good news yesterday, Torian Carter announced on social media he has been cleared. Now, if you remember, Torian went through a knee injury last last season, didn't get a chance to play this past season. I guess that would have been in the offseason, if I remember that right. But, Tommy, good news for a football player that Arkansas desperately needs. Happy for him. And anytime you can add a defensive lineman, especially on the interior, it's good things for Arkansas football. Correct me if I'm wrong. When he injured in the spring game last year, indoor on the indoor when they tried when they had the practice inside, so that timeline's yeah, a little been, cloudy to me. Yeah, I believe uh, that's I believe that's right. And uh, yeah, so good to hear him back. And Arkansas needs some depth there, and uh, just shows you that uh, you know spring practice. While you got to have it and develop younger players, it can also cost you. A, a guy you need for the year, because I think he could have made that defense better last year without question. Arkansas baseball wins in 11 innings yesterday. Kendall Diggs hits a walk-off uh, single to bring Peyton Stovall home in the 11th inning. They went 10-9, to but really it was Jared Wegner that got things started. With a man aboard and one away, swing and a shot to deep left center field. That one's going to go, and it is gone. Jared Wegner with his third home run of the season. And just like that, the Hogs are up 2-1. to one. Several home runs for Arkansas baseball. We know Brady Tiger's injury was the big story that came out of yesterday. Regardless, Dave Van Horn, happy how his team closed it out. There was a lot of excitement. It went into, oh no, and then an injury. And thought we, we held it together. We stayed strong in the dugout. They fought. And like I said, Dylan Carter came in there and gave us two more innings after that. And gave us a chance to walk that thing off. Tommy, that, that's the biggest takeaway, right, is the status of Brady Tiger after yesterday's win? Well, he had some tingling in his forearm and elbows. or you know. And listen, in a game like that, if you've got anything you feel like is wrong, uh, particularly with a pitcher and an elbow, uh, any kind of tingling sensation, uh, you just shut it down. Uh, this game, in the, in the end, won't matter. So it'll be interesting to see if we get an update headed in the weekend and if he pitches this weekend or if it's just kind of pinch nerve or whatever. I don't know. We'd just be speculating. Hopefully there's an update soon. He had a few runs that you left stranded. I know Dave Van Horn was talking about that in the post game yesterday, but in the day, you got a midweek win. Give credit to the Redbirds. It's kind of weird, Tommy. Uh, we were talking about this before the show. Typically, fans in this state, when the Redbirds are playing, they cheer for them because it's the cards. Yeah. <laughs> not, not yesterday. Yeah, and uh, Illinois State was down. I heard Chuck talk about they'd played at Arkansas State uh, for three games, came over and played the Razorbacks. They're going to play UCA this weekend. You get a lot of teams from the upper Midwest that make their way south to play you know, in a state, and they'll make a little loop, like a little swing like they're doing through Arkansas because they need games. Snow on the ground, weather's bad, hard to schedule home games. And in fact, I heard uh, Chuck mention in the broadcast, Illinois State will not play a home game till March 17th. So uh, not uncommon to see teams from that part of the country uh, in the south this time of the year. Did you say March 17th? March 17th. Wow. That is... I mean, just... Well, that, that's why baseball is so dominated by the SEC and the teams in the southern states because, you you know, when a, when a Big Ten team does something and was it Michigan that made the College World Series two or three years ago, that's, that's noteworthy because it's hard to recruit to that part of the country and you can't even get outside to practice and play till sometime usually mid-March a lot of times. So uh, we see how rough the weather can be here into March. Um, so imagine up there. Man. That's that's crazy. All right, other uh, Arkansas news this morning. You've got the Razorback women's basketball team will play at 11 o'clock today against Missouri. 
in Greenville, South Carolina on the SEC Network. And then you've got, we had the Razorback Invitational for softball last week. Now it's the Woo Pig Classic, Tommy. Iowa State, North Texas, and Texas A&M Corpus Christi is here to take on Courtney Dival's squad this week. And they'll play at 2 o'clock today. That game got moved up because I think we got some inclement weather happening here in Fayetteville. Yeah, so... Um, um and that's what you got to do this time of year is, is move games around. You, you mentioned the women's tournament. Did you see uh, where Kentucky and Florida got into a, in the women's tournament? Got into a little bit of a of a scrape last night. Eight players ejected. Uh, had big fight. Uh, that was that was something you didn't probably plan to see at the SEC women's tournament. Nope. You had this this gal that kind of shoved the ball in another gal's face for the opposing it. team, and then no, well, that, then that girl threw it yeah. at her head, and then right. all hell broke loose after yeah. that. So it was uh, it was pretty wild. I like you said, I didn't expect to see that, but again, tensions flare. Uh, it wasn't that was a bigger fight than the the dust up between Alabama and Auburn last night where it was more about words. It was more of a verbal altercation between the Crimson Mm -hmm. Tide and Auburn Tigers. But now the Gators and Wildcats, girls, they went at it yesterday. That's two top 15 teams uh, playing last night. So... Good luck to uh, to the women's team today at 11. They, uh, they've kind of had a, an up-and-down year, to say the least. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and present preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Senior fellow contributor at ESPN Arkansas. Mr. Clay Henry now joins us now. Clay, we got fishing plans later on today? No, that was yesterday. I was, uh, Lewis Campbell and I fought the uh, the crowds at uh, bull shows and Tommy sent me a picture of a guy with a big, big fish and we saw that guy and as they were leaving they said they caught a 28 incher and dadgum, you know, we were like, yeah, right. You know, they're, you know they're, sometimes people you know, kind so of brag cynical, at the Clay. takeout You're part. You're so cynical. <laughs> well, I'm just paint me as being very jealous right now. Cynical is not the right <laughs> word because uh, that's a that's one of those true White River monsters, Tommy. I mean, uh, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I heard y'all. I'll put that on my Facebook. I, I, the guy's name is Frank Griffin. I'll put it on uh, Twitter rather than Facebook. But it, yeah, as a. A monster hey, of a, a fish. fish of a lifetime, right there. Baby. That way, everybody can see it. But it's caught right there on the white near uh, near the dam and near Gaston's. It's, so, it's yeah, Frank. you can see uh, you can see the RV parks. I always look at the background and blow it up and see if I can tell where it is. And of course, a fish like that, you may have caught it in one place and you might have drifted fighting it a mile. Uh, so you yeah. don't know exactly where you know where it was cut. Very seldom do you just do they just come right to the boat when you hook them. The uh, uh, the guy that ones. caught. He was being guided by Sean White out of Gaston's, uh, one of their top guides. So, uh, you know, it's, yeah, you're right. It's a fish of a lifetime. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's fun to be out there. And Lewis and I, you know, we took turns rowing the boat. And, you know, he's got a real nice Supreme with a 25 horse. And, we're you know, we can we, – we've – Learned how to row the banks and do all that kind of stuff and take care of each other, take turns, and uh, you know we set a timer and all that. And all we call it a few rainbows. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, to catch rainbows, you know, is wonderful, but that's what we're after. You know, one of those monsters. And I was a few years ago, this time of year, with the shad kills and all that. He caught a thirty-inch brown that 
was bigger than that fish, believe it or not. Just huge, you know, gut, you know, just, you know, old mature fish. And uh, I think he's caught a 28 up there. I've caught one that was 27 and a half. So basically the same as that fish. Um, I haven't ever caught my 30, but that's, that, we don't realize, you know, the, the people in the state, you know, what kind of uh, fishery we, we have. I mean, it's world class. I mean, the only place outside of, of you know, that top 20 miles of the dam area, Bull Shoals Dam, White River, below the, you know, the tailwater of Bull Shoals Lake, you'd have to go to Alaska to catch something better than that. that that's the only place, you know, in the, in the lower 48 is the White River below Bull Shoals Dam. Sorry, Ty. Kind of. Ty, are you there? Uh, I'm, I'm here. I just kind of. Are you just, just mesmerized? Away. Yeah. I know that wasn't where you were headed. Ty. No, I'm you're sorry. good. I wanted. I because you and Tommy were talking about during the break. You're gonna have to send me the picture of that fish. Well, Clay, I'll let you. I'll, I'll let you pick which one you want to talk about. Tori and Carter. You want to talk about this baseball yeah. team? Tori and Carter is is a good. And I heard y'all uh, discussing that. And I, I remember it, Tommy's right. It was. Uh, you know, they moved into Walker Pavilion. They could not have the spring game because of the storms. And, of course, that limited, you know, the number of people. They had, you know, they had the media there, and they roped off the end zone for – had some bleachers there for uh, for family, basically, and recruits. And uh, they're towards the end of the scrimmage, and, you know, it's, it was a great day. And, you know, I know they were, were excited about what they'd got done last spring and – he goes down, and I mean, you know, you could tell it was a bad injury right away. I knew that it was a horrific knee injury, and it was much worse than anybody ever suspected. It was, you know, complete reconstruction, and everybody started talking about him coming back and playing last season. And Sam Pittman, you know, he never really put that away. You know, like when people would say, is he coming back? Well, yeah, he's he's really doing well in recovery. He wasn't ever going to play last year. And he's not to the twelve month mark, which is kind of the key, you know, line that they, you know, when you have the surgery, usually it's about twelve months. So he had the surgery in May, and we're in March, and he's cleared. So he's had a remarkable recovery. Um, you know, we'll see how much they, you know, that he does this spring. You know, you know, I would think they would still kind of protect him a little bit. But he's a big piece to what they need. And he had had uh, as good a spring as a defensive tackle that I'd seen at Arkansas in quite some time and was ready for just a, a breakout year. And then that happened. And, you know, that you're not, you don't find a replacement for a player like that. They're just not, you know, th- you know uh, um, I mean, he was playing like a you know, first or second rounder uh, last spring, just had matured, was his time, you know, third-year guy in the program, uh, you know, kind of a Darius Phylon-type player. That's what he was going to be. And we'll see if he's that now after coming back for this from this knee injury. Hope he is because, because that, you know, for the team and for him, you know, he was playing like an NFL prospect. Same high school as Jalen Catalan, if I remember that correctly. They were teammates at, in Mansfield, so I know Jalen now at, in Austin and uh, Torin's still here. But, I mean, anytime it's kind of irreplaceable, it's kind of what you were hitting at in Arkansas. Yeah, we're just not going to find another guy like that, yeah. Two years ago, you had Ridgeway, who plugged up a lot of holes. Last year, you just didn't have that same dude in the interior and kind of like you're leading into clay you're just hoping torian could be that for this this new uh this new arkansas look defense this year under travis williams yeah i liked his his uh post on twitter i think it's twitter it might have been instagram i i don't pay that much attention between the two but he's like president carter is back <laughs> president carter <laughs> i don't i don't know who calls him president carter i had never heard that before but if you're a defensive tackle of that stature, you, president's a good a good word for it. It's an old uh, little as Lil Wayne nickname in song back yep. in the day. I guess Torian's probably a big Lil Wayne fan, if I had to guess, based on that tweet. Yep. yep. Hey, have you heard? I mean, last year they kind of changed the. They didn't really have a spring game. They had a final practice that they put on TV, and we were just talking about that. Made got me to thinking: Is uh, are they going to go back to more of a game type format, or have you even 
heard this year what kind of the plans are for that final yeah, I practice. I think it's going to be a practice. I mean, it, it'll be something that where they do a lot of interviews. And, yeah, I mean, I might be wrong. They might change that up. But that that's the trend, guys. And it's just there's uh, – there's not really a good way with uh, small rosters. In you know their roster is small, guys. They they still you know they 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 got part of their class in, uh, but they still have you know ten empty spots. So they're they're probably about you know seventy seventy five scholarships. You know right now that, that they have available. You know that players that are on scholarship for for this spring. And then they'll mm-hmm. they'll probably add some from the portal, but you know what what happens is they may lose some to the portals. You know, some guys that you know they look around and well, I'm 13 or I'm not even 13, and you know maybe they were nicked up and didn't get to do a lot in the spring, and so they're not very. You know, it's when coaches tell you they're not going to give you a post spring depth chart. That's why that they don't want somebody. You know to see a published depth chart and their parents say, well, how come you're third team? Well, then you need to leave there. So that's why you <laughs> you don't publish depth charts anymore. And we've heard, uh, you know, heard Coach say you go from third on the depth chart to 803rd on the depth yeah. chart when you get in that portal a lot of times. Yeah, so, yeah, that's true. But it's uh, it's a detriment. And, you know, we – we sometimes say, well, the coaches are paranoid. They don't want to give that to the other team. And they don't want to give it to the parents. I mean, that, that's the that's the truth. And, you know, a guy that's third team is not out of the mix. You know, an injury, all once he's up there in the second team and then improves a little bit, works hard, you want them to, to stay in your program and yeah. develop. Every once in a while there's one that – you didn't see coming. I mean, whether it be a walk-on or, I mean, a, I mean, if you had published a depth chart after the first spring with Brandon Burlesworth, he wouldn't have been anywhere to be seen probably. Um, and then he comes back that next fall, and he's just continued to develop under Virgil Knight, and then, then he's a player. You know, by the middle of that fall, Rocky Felker, who's offensive coordinator, was telling me, this is a guy that's about to play for us, and – you know, he came from third or fourth or fifth team and was a walk-on in the freshman locker room. And, you know, it's like none of us had heard of him. But well, I mean, just look, just look last year. I mean, we can point to three different areas. Uh, you can look at, at quarterback where you got into to, to a third player, running back, and then in the secondary. So, I mean, you're absolutely right that, uh, you know, when, when you just look at the examples of what actually unfolded last year, there's three that just come to mind, and there's probably more that – those just come to mind easily about last year, and you get down to a to, to a third person at that at that spot. Yeah, Dan Doty, you know, developed and played as a walk on. Right now, if if a guy's not, if he doesn't make an immediate jump, you know, he'll, you know, the walk ons they'll leave and go get us go get a scholarship at UCA or Arkansas Tech, and you know you. You might, you know, before the portal, you you hold on to those guys until their last year. Or maybe they're, you know, as a fourth year junior, they become a player for you. That's just not happening anymore. It's definitely a different. We're talking with Clay Henry this morning, senior fellow ESPN Arkansas contributor here in the Morning Rush. If you got anything for Clay on football, baseball, we'll get into some basketball coming up. Eight seven seven three seven seven. Six nine six three. Clay, I know you were you saw the Auburn and Alabama game because we were talking Watched about all it. of it. Yeah, it's a great game, great game. We played yeah. the uh, the Bruce Pearl clip earlier. Did you get a chance to hear Bruce yet? Yeah, I heard that clip. In uh, he he was, you know, the the officiating in that game. Uh, I give them a lot of credit for just kind of keep keeping control and making sure things didn't escalate and. Uh, you know, they had a situation where it looked all three officials jumped in there and they're grabbing players. They're, they're pulling guys away from each other. And, you know, then they had about 15 guys run off the bench to half court, and there wasn't a timeout. No timeout was called. You know, they're trying to get the information to the, to the you know, 
to the scores table, you know, on the foul that was called, and it was just a crazy situation. And all at once, they're ejecting players for coming off the bit, ejecting, mm-hmm. uh, you know, an assistant coach or whatever he was, you know, for coming off the bench. They did a really nice job of that. Uh, I got a little bit of hot water because my wife was wanting to watch Abbott Elementary. That's her one of her favorite shows. <laughs> and it's coming on at, uh, at a certain time, and I'm watching that game. And, well, I, you know, finally I handed her the remote, and I said, you better you better turn it to your, your station, and I'm going to move to the back because this is too good to turn off. Uh, uh, really uh, a wonderful game to watch. Uh, and I'm a little bit like you, Ty. I didn't know who to pull for. I, you know, I, you were conflicted, huh? The, the, without question, Alabama is the team in America right now wearing the black hat. I mean, they are, they are the bad guys. And, you know, whether all those players deserve that, you know, the coach is – you know his his uh, inability to speak clearly and passionately in defense of that young woman is has just resonated with everybody. In other words, worried about us when you know when you've got you know when you've lost a, a mother with a five year old kid. I mean, he's just stepped in in every way he can, and he's gonna he's gonna live with that a long time. And Bruce Pearl is the guy that's gonna rake in the chips, right? I mean, he's the, he's the other guy, in and to be uh, just decimated by what Alabama's doing is kind of like, you know, the Auburn coach with Nick Saban in town. Uh, you know, they they can't win at Auburn football with what Nick Saban's doing, but Bruce Pearl may benefit from what what Nate Oates has has you know his misfortune or however you want to describe it. I am curious if they give Oates Coach of the Year because he's clearly the guy. He's not going to get it. No, you, he's, you don't Buzz think so. Williams, no, Buzz he's gonna, there will be the there will be there will be people looking for an alternative okay. because of what he's done. And I have actually uh, talked to some people that that have said that's what they're doing. That they will not vote for him. And I bet you that. Uh, you know that Brandon Miller loses votes in Player of the Year, and I don't know who you could pick beside him. But I've heard people that will not vote for him, and you know it's kind of low deal. There's some, you know, there's some guys that ought to go in the Hall of Fame, but their their personalities with the Baseball Writers of America, they're not going to get, they're not going to go in just because of the way they've acted. Maybe their political statements, you know, just just have caused them to lose votes, and. I think Buzz Williams will, will win it in a runaway. And on that note, I think it's easier to give it a buzz. Tommy, you bring, sure it is. But you you guys both bring that up. I mean, who do you give it? Do you give it to Wade Taylor? I mean, what, freshman of the year, it's it's Brandon Miller. Player of the year, it's Brandon Miller. Like you you legitimately have to scour and search through well, SEC I, rosters. I really like the Brandon. The I mean, I'm sorry. I, for instead of Brandon Miller, maybe the big man from from Vanderbilt. I mean, Vanderbilt's had a breakthrough season too, and you, you could argue Jerry Stackhouse should get some votes for for Coach of the Year. They went at Kentucky last night. That was at Lexington, right? Correct. And yes, Robbins uh, Clay unfortunately left the game. And I don't is he know, hurt? Yeah, he's he got hurt last night and did not. Well, he's had a great season mm-hmm. though. Yeah, yeah, Clay's or Chuck has been really high on Liam Robbins, what he's yeah. been able to do and impact. He only played four minutes last night. He destroyed Arkansas. Absolutely destroyed him them in the second half. I tend to agree with the Nate Oates thing. I, I'm I didn't I was trying to think who would, and Buzz Williams would definitely and I hate saying that about Nagy, but it's just true. No, he's but, a good coach. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I said, you. I don't know what player you could pick out to win freshman or player of the year over Brandon Miller. That is going to be. I mean, Bama fans are going to be frustrated about the Oats thing, but I mean, there's. I, I don't know who they. Just sometimes pick. you're disqualified. I mean, it's in. You know, it's there's nothing in the rules that say you you know you can do that, but I guarantee you voters can. But is that yeah. enough for Greg Sankey? I mean, because you know that's coming from the top. And no, I'm talking about the individual voters will have to do that. Okay, it, it, they won't. No, they. But I I will say this: you looked last week, uh, what Brandon Miller did. He scored 41 and 24, and then Nick Smith scored what 26 and 24. And they played head to head, 
and they gave Player of the Week to to Nick Smith. I mean, how, how could you how could you not give it to Brandon? I don't care how many times Brandon Miller's won it. He was clearly the best freshman last week, and they gave it to Nick Smith, and that had to be, uh, you know. A situation where the league offices were not giving it to Brandon Miller this week. We're just not doing it. Yeah, and uh, you know, it, that's the only thing that's probably been on tone. You know, for, for Alabama and around their program, anything right, else Tom. they've done has been so tone deaf and just uh, so 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 much of a lack of self awareness and how the outside world is viewing them, Clay. Yeah, and Ty, you're you're right about. Uh, Nate Oates, I don't know whether he's if he's spray tanned, if he's got it. <laughs> this podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.